Hi, welcome to Politics Done Right. Politics Done Right is a podcast for young conservatives by young conservatives. I'm your host, Tucker Dunn, and I'm here with executive producer Patty Olson. Hello. To talk about the reasons you should vote for Donald Trump. For real this time. For real this time. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. Yeah. Yes, we did that on purpose. Yes, yes. Sorry uh, if you got confused about your audio. Well, uh, yeah, I yeah. apologize. We had to make that <laughs> pause awkward. Awkward. Ten whole seconds. Yes. So let's talk about why you should actually vote for Donald Trump. Let's. I We've done a little bit of bagging on Trump. Yeah. And I don't think none. neither of us love Trump. Like, yeah. I don't know. I would have voted for maybe Ted Cruz in the primaries in yeah. 2016. But, I mean, you know, when we're talking about, especially in 2016, Trump against Hillary, Trump was a pretty clear option. Yes. And in this election, Trump versus, you know, Biden and Harris, Trump is obviously a very clear choice. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about why. And mm-hmm. we've got about five reasons that we think are the most important mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So number one is his re- it's really recent mm-hmm. actually it's his uh new is his recent middle east accomplishments mm-hmm. and so he got two countries uh the uae the united arab emirates and bahrain mm-hmm. to normalize relations with israel now why is this important so the middle east has been one of the least stable places mm-hmm. in the world for a very long time yep. uh i mean all the way back to I know Afghanistan like mm-hmm. sponsored the uh, Nazi regime, for instance, yeah. and you know Iran, as well as Af- uh, not Afghanistan, Pakistan, probably Afghanistan too. The many of these countries are state sponsors of terrorism, mm-hmm. or the governments themselves are formed by terrorist organizations. Yeah. Uh, I believe Pakistan, its government is formed by three entities. Two of those are terrorist organizations. Like one of them is. Uh, it's like the Islamic State or okay. something like very, I mean, clear terrorist organizations yeah. and there for many other reasons mm-hmm. like uh, well Israel being instated yeah. also destabilized yeah. the region. Mm-hmm. So, but only recently have two new countries uh, stabilized their relations with Israel mm-hmm. so that there's not major economic or military conflict, and uh, so in the past month two countries, the UAE and Bahrain, Mm -hmm. both normalized relations. The other two, Jordan and Egypt, were, okay, Egypt, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, one of those two, the most recent one was in 1996 Mm -hmm. under Bill Clinton. 94. 94? Yes, 94. Okay, Okay. yeah, I fail at stats. (laughs) Uh, So it's been over 20 years. It's been 26 years since since anything like this has happened. By the way, Barack Obama got a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. So, recently, Trump was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's it's not hard to get nominated mm-hmm. for it. It just, it takes, like, one person to nominate you. Yeah. But Trump is more deserving of the <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize than anyone, I, maybe since George Bush. Yeah. I mean, well, okay, more, more deserving than Obama <laughs> is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he's done more. He's mm-hmm. stabilized the Middle East. Uh, not to mention how he handled North Korea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know the the trade war with China. Mm-hmm. You know, I do you genuinely believe that Joe Biden would do as good a job? Ask yourself this: Could he have brokered treaties with other countries? Would other countries think he's all there? <laughs> uh, you know, Trump. I know we've bagged on Trump in the past for being, you know, so rude and politically incorrect but right. sometimes that can help in you know in, right. in diplomacy right i mean like 
Benjamin Netanyahu, for instance, yeah. uh, the leader of Israel, who is a major ally, mm-hmm. he respects Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another thing that is important about the Middle East is mm-hmm. many of these countries are now mo- officially moving their embassies, following President Trump's lead, mm-hmm. and moving their embassies to Jerus- Jerusalem, meaning that they're recognizing that Jerusalem belongs to Israel, mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah. Uh, if you believe in Israel. Yeah. Um, you know, Jerusalem is at the center of the Palestine-Israel conflict, you know, with both both sides claiming control of the city. Uh, and, you know, by moving the, you know, Jerusalem, well, by moving their embassies in Israel to Jerusalem, they're basically, you know, recognizing the legitimacy of the state of Israel. Right. Yeah. And there are also several holy sites that are in Jerusalem yeah. and near Jerusalem that are important for both the uh, Catholic well, Catholic, Christian, and Muslim faiths. Mm-hmm. And, me, con, I mean, conventionally, the the Muslim countries that hold these uh, these sites often restrict them to only Muslim worship. Yeah. But Jerusalem and Israel allow all the faiths to gather at mm-hmm. the same places and worship. There are pictures, and they're really inspiring pictures, of Muslims, Jews, and Christians all sitting around the exact same shrine and uh, worshiping yeah. coming together mm-hmm. and that's a really good thing yeah i mean whether whether you like israel or not i think most people can agree that different faiths coming together and being allowed to worship mm-hmm. is a good thing yeah it's important religious freedom is important mm-hmm. and that's just another way they are following trump's lead mm-hmm. and furthering religious freedom in the region yep um <clears throat> What else about the Middle East, or uh, maybe about North Korea? Because I don't know so much about North Korea. I don't know as much either, but I know that you know by meeting in was it uh, Singapore? Uh, I think so. Yeah, you know that summit in Singapore, you know, definitely led to the um, the escalation of tensions. Also, mm-hmm. when he went and entered North Korea, right? You know, that which was, a president hasn't done. Yeah, in, in many a years, very long time. Yeah, um, you know, it just really showed how Trump has really stabilized a lot of regions in the East. He has, you know, and so. Yeah, so yeah. that's the first our first point. He uh, Trump deserves a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. He's done great things mm-hmm. for everyone. Yep. Not just not even just Americans. As much as he believes in America first, <laughs> look, he has helped millions, mm-hmm. I mean billions of people. Yeah. Uh, so next we're going to talk about the tax cuts. Yes. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed in I believe 2017 mm-hmm. and it's one of the most successful pieces of legislation of recent history. So the tax cuts, it's funny how much the media will just go crazy on this mm-hmm. because if you listen to Fox, this is the best thing that's ever happened. If you listen to <laughs> CNN, this is a tax cut, a handout for the rich, mm-hmm. and a taking away from the poor. Yeah. That's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. So the tax cuts, yeah, they do benefit the rich. They also benefit everyone. Yes, especially the middle class. In, in fact... This, for the average family of four, or I think it's just the average family yeah. is the stat. So the average family brings in $73,000 a year. Mm-hmm. That is, I assume that's partially with two parents working, partially yeah. not. So with average. That average family used to pay around 5000 in taxes. Now, with the child tax credit increased and the standard deduction increased, mm-hmm. they are paying about half that, 2500 Imagine having twenty five hundred extra dollars. Mm-hmm. Most people do. That's average. 
That's not the most benefiting from mm-hmm. it. That's average. Yeah. 50% of people are, are benefiting that yeah. much or more yeah. from the tax cuts. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. If I had 2500 extra dollars, <laughs> who knows? That's like two stimulus checks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly, without any stimulus. <laughs> um, and this is also important because throughout history, uh, taxes have been extremely high mm-hmm. and extremely low, and the left likes to say, well, we had good growth after World War II when we had really high taxes. And if you actually look at tax revenue mm-hmm. as a percent of how much it is of the economy, it stays at about 17% no matter what the tax rate is. The, yeah, revenue always stays at about 17% of GDP. Right, which in economic terms, that essentially means that when you tax at a high rate, you're cutting economic growth by such a rate that you're not even going to get more than 17% revenue. Exactly. No matter, you can tax it at 60%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe at one point it was at 91%. Yep. 91% was... And they still got only 17% of GDP. 91, 92% was about the highest. Um, but the thing is, when, you, when you're at that high of a tax you know, bracket, 91% of you know, the top earners, uh, a lot of times, you know, there's going to be a lot of tax loopholes, you know, uh, sure. you know uh, tax breaks, that sort of thing. And sure. people are going to be hiring accountants and stuff right. to, you know, in order to find those loopholes and get them, you know, down to like a lower tax rate. Right. And then at that point, you're just losing a lot of economic you know, uh-huh. activity, you know, spent on that right. when it could be reinvested into businesses, that sure. sort of thing. And so by having super high tax rates, you're just losing you know, productivity. Right. There was a Milton Friedman quote. So mm-hmm. when Milton Friedman was around, I believe it was like 60 or 75% were, was the top tax rate. Yeah. And Milton Friedman mm-hmm. came out and said, look, if you cut that down to 25%, mm-hmm. you're going to take in more revenue because it's not worth it to spend 50 cents on the dollar to hire a tax lawyer to get yeah. you out of paying taxes. Exactly. So if you tax people less, ironically, they'll fight it less. Mm-hmm. They'll pay more. Yeah. So that's an important aspect of if you're going to talk about taxing the rich, well, look, historically, taxing the rich hasn't helped, mm-hmm. and you're going to get them to pay more when you tax them less. Yeah. So even that part of the bill, not a bad thing. Yeah. So uh, then the corporate tax rate. So we are, I believe we were, the highest, I mean, the highest corporate tax rate mm-hmm. by about 15%. In the in the civilized world, we had an extremely high corporate tax rate. I think it was thirty seven percent, something like that. Yeah, and or maybe thirty five, and we've cut it to twenty one now, which is a start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so now, by the way, this is to say that for every dollar you pay to McDonald's, twenty cents goes to the government. That's a lot. Imagine mm-hmm. one fifth of your paycheck going to the government. That's a huge tax rate. Yeah. So, twenty percent—it sounds low. That's a giant tax rate. And you know, twenty—that's twenty percent of you know everything that they take in. Right, a huge and, amount. And really, do you think McDonald's cares if they're paying twenty percent to the government or if they're charging you twenty percent less? You know, if say you made that thirty percent again, McDonald's might raise prices. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, do you think McDonald's is just going to say, "Oh, well, we'll just make less money"? No. Really, do corporations just say we'll make <laughs> no. less money? No. When there's a tax imposed on a business, they pass it on to the consumer. So the corporate tax has always been a way for politicians to act like they're not taxing people. Corporations don't pay taxes. 
people pay taxes. Like the building doesn't pay the taxes. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the paperwork that was made to file the corporation doesn't pay the taxes. People pay the taxes. Mm -hmm. That tax accountant might be paying $10 million in taxes. That's not coming out of his paycheck. (laughs) No. Uh, So the corporate tax rate really, lowering the corporate tax rate is a great thing. But for the average middle class worker, this is the biggest tax cut of all time. And Mm -hmm. that's really the important part of this. Also, throughout the Trump presidency, I know it's hard to talk about creating jobs right now, but if you compare this, by the way, to the recovery after uh, the Great Recession, Mm -hmm. this is a much faster economic recovery. And for everyone on the left saying that COVID is still terrible, Mm -hmm. if COVID is still terrible and we're having that much faster of a recovery, Mm -hmm. Trump must really be doing something right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. And, you know, we're already underneath, you know, the the highest level of unemployment in the Great Recession was 10%. We're already underneath that. Right. Even right now, when we're in a terrible economic yeah. slump compared to where we were, yeah. we're still doing better than we were during the early years of Obama. Oh, yeah. Not to say it was Obama's fault yeah. we had the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Now, it was the fault of people with his policies, yeah. but... Federal Reserve. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll have an episode on the Federal Reserve oh, yeah. someday. Oh, yeah. I could go on about that. But anyway, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act did exactly what it Mm -hmm. says it was going to do. It cut taxes for the average working person. It made it easier on families, increased the child tax credit. Mm -hmm. It made so the standard deduction is what most uh, most middle class and lower class people do. The rich itemized deductions and people who have more things to deduct, like charity giving to charity huge amounts, mm-hmm. losing big on investments. Those are the things you deduct. Yeah. Middle-class working people don't do that. Yeah. They take the standard deduction exactly. usually. Exactly. There was a huge increase for the standard deduction. Mm-hmm. There's no way to play that off as mm-hmm. a tax cut for the rich. Yeah. That's a tax cut for the average working person. Exactly. And so when the left tries to say that this is a, a bill for the rich, it's not. It's not. It's a bill for everyone. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. It's yeah. great. I'm really proud of it. Mm-hmm. That's probably, in my opinion, probably the best piece of legislation that's been passed since 2000, at least. I can't think of anything else that's been so positive. Yeah. As the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, so but yeah. So our next thing that we want to talk about is Trump's, you know, Trump's addition and you know, adding momentum to the pro-life movement. Um, Throughout his presidency, he's been extremely pro-life, and he's added a lot of life to the movement. Um, a few days after being inaugurated, uh, Vice President Pence was uh, the first vice president in, uh, in history to attend the March for Life. And a few years into his presidency, uh, President Trump was the first president to ever attend the march. And you know, the media never fully covers how you know how large the march can get, you know, to its, at its fullest extent. You know, hundreds of thousands of people attending that, and yet it receives very, very little media coverage. And by you know attending, Trump has brought a lot of a lot of attention to it. And um, yeah, we'll get uh, later on. We'll get into what he's done. You know, um, judicially. You know, sure to um, help the pro-life movement. Exactly. Yeah, but he's just been a, a huge help. Right. And now, I mean, I don't remember when I was younger. Now I don't. I wasn't that into politics when I was younger, but I don't remember abortion being 
a giant topic of debate. It was being pro-life was basically settled. And yeah. it has been for 50 years almost. Uh, Roe v. Wade has been in place since, I believe, 73? Yeah, 73. And that's a long time. That's yeah. 47 years ago. Mm-hmm. And still, Trump is carrying on the fight mm-hmm. for for the unborn, for the right to life. Yeah. And that's important. Very and important. We, uh, what was it you were telling me earlier that Trump has done that he carried on that uh, I believe Bush and Reagan uh, before the, him? Oh, gosh. Let me pull up the name. It's the National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Um, you know, Democrat presidents have obviously discontinued it, but every single year since he's been in office, Trump has continued to reproclaim this a national holiday uh, around the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And, um, you know, just by dedicating time to it, he's, you know, he's brought a lot of attention to it and right. made it more popular. And we could potentially even see, you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade at some point in the sure. future. Sure, and, and I guess let's skip to his, his justices and yes. then we can go back. Because it's on the same topic. Yeah. Trump without Trump's justices, there's no way in the world that Roe v. Wade is ever going to get overturned. Mm-hmm. Without Trump's justices, you do not see an end to abortion. You do yeah. not see any restrictions on abortion. You're gonna see the Democrat abortion agenda, which mm-hmm. is that a minute before a baby's born, you can yeah. you can abort it. You can tell the doctor, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and that's crazy. I saw a picture uh, a few days ago of a newborn baby just one minute out mm-hmm. of the womb mm-hmm. um and you know joe biden and kamala harris have both said and voted in congress that that baby five minutes earlier was could have been aborted you know mm-hmm. that's crazy to me like that's not a moderate position these aren't moderate candidates these uh these are radicals mm-hmm. um but yeah, you know, yeah. by by appointing Gorsuch and you know Kavanaugh, he's building up enough conservatives on the court to eventually, you know, if it comes to it, and if we get you know Justice Roberts on our side, Chief Justice <laughs> Roberts on our side, well. uh, we could you know potentially see it overturned. Right, and and that's important. You have to go about it through the judicial manner because the only other way to do it would be a constitutional amendment, mm-hmm. which would be great. It would be the best thing to ever happen in the history yeah. of America. Yeah. But probably not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So we have to go about this through the courts. And in the next four years, I think we see maybe two more justices. Maybe uh, Ginsburg and is it Breyer? Is he still on the court? I think so. Yeah. So it's though at least two justices. I don't know if it's. I think Breyer is. He's got a few more years in him. You think so? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think. Definitely Ginsburg will. Right. I think she said, I can't confirm this, but I think she said that she will retire within the next term of right. whatever president it and, is. And she's been battling cancer. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. look, I, my she, sympathies go out to her. She's been fighting very hard, and she, she is a fighter. It's, yeah, she is. Yeah. But it's, it's probably time, in my opinion, yeah. for her to step down from yeah. the court. And we should take this opportunity to, to get a conservative agenda passed mm-hmm. by the court. We, yeah. uh, to get, an end to Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. we need Trump to be able to have that choice to appoint a new justice, a yeah. conservative justice, to take over Ginsburg's spot. Mm-hmm. Because as much as, you know, Gorsuch has helped, Gorsuch replaced Scalia. Yeah. You know, Gorsuch is probably to the left of Scalia. <laughs> we, uh, we need to be moving to the right. Yeah. Um, and getting rid of Ginsburg and putting on a Trump justice, <laughs> that will move the court to the right. Yeah. That will help the pro-life agenda. Mm-hmm. And... Other than that, you know, Trump has appointed 
I think you said over a quarter of the current yeah. active uh, active federal judges. Yes, um, he's appointed uh, about uh, two thirds of what Obama appointed in his entire eight years as president. Uh, so, you know, Trump has appointed 194 in his you know three and a half years, whereas Obama appointed 312 in his eight years. So, you know, we're we're seeing you know the the makeup of you know federal federal courts shift further and further to the right, which is going to help our case even more in the future uh, by, you know, having those lower courts be more conservative. And yeah, you know, Trump, by, by getting, by swaying the judicial system towards our cause, we can, you know, potentially see Roe v. Wade being overturned in our lifetime. Um, yeah. Okay, let's get on to... Uh what is the last item? Those were the last two items. Oh, that was the whole. Uh, yes. Well. Yeah. Uh, how how much time have we gone? Have oh, we gone twenty one minutes? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a substantial I su- episode. I suppose that's enough. Yeah. Uh, and there are plenty more reasons, but oh, these yeah. are what we think are mm-hmm. probably the top uh, five reasons mm-hmm. and that you, know, you should vote for President Trump. And I will be voting to reelect Trump mm-hmm. in November. No matter what you may think about his personality, we're not the biggest fans of his personality. Oh, no. But, but. These reasons are important enough for us to, you know, right. hope that he's reelected. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, as, as always, it means a lot that you share the episodes. It's, you know, we're growing slowly, and that's, that's good for us, mm-hmm. you know. We, uh, that's how we get the movement to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like the episode, you know, give us a share. Tell somebody to listen to it. Tell somebody who isn't going to vote for Trump to listen to this episode, mm-hmm. and then you know, you can talk about it. Yeah. And if you didn't like the episode, that's okay too. Just tuck off. 